0: Hey you is time the only thing keeping you from pursuing your side hustle <laughs> been there and done that so let's get you some tips and strategies for creating that time how's that sound grab this free guide 22 ways to make time for your side hustle so you can build your small business and have time to see your family and friends create the time you need to be productive on campus and in your side hustle And finally, develop the strategies you need to say no when you need to and feel zero guilt about it. Pick up this new guide at chrismcpeak.com forward slash free goodies. Now let's dig into this week's brand new episode. Struggling to balance a side hustle with your job in higher education can be a real bummer. I'm your host, Chris McPeak, and I help career professionals in higher education make time for their side hustle so they don't waste their potential. If you're ready to think outside the box about your time and truly do all of the things, then tune in now because you've got side hustle. Okay, everybody, welcome back to the Got Side Hustle show. I'm your host, Chris McPeak, and today... We're talking to Johnny Gidry of Refractive Podcast. Johnny is another um, pod pal that I met through Adam Shibley. Shout out to Adam. He's a great guy. Johnny, thank you so much for carving time to hang out with me.
1: It's great to be here. (laughs) How are you doing, Chris?
0: (laughs) And he makes his own music too, people. Look, I'm multifaceted. You are a renaissance man for sure. Johnny, let's talk a wee bit about your show first, and then we'll go back and do the origin story stuff.
1: For sure. So uh, Refractive Podcast is such a passion project for me. It's about helping people step into their true authentic power. It's looking at these three pillars of an authentic life, your career and your spirituality and your relationship to society and making sure that what we're doing in those areas really fits what feels right inside. So It's intuitive listening, uh, pardon me, intuitive living, and really just like I said, stepping into your power. So you can find Refractive Podcasts on any platform. And uh, I really think that there's so much beautiful overlap between the message of your show and uh, the message of my show. So I'm happy to collaborate with you.
0: Well, and I'm I'm loving these three pillars that you have because Elevate Your Aid is a philosophy that has three pillars, if you will. So it's uh, I'll be interesting to see how you line yours up in in um, comparison to how I line mine up. But let's yeah. go back to the beginning. So once upon a time, you had a corporate job. Let's talk about that for a second.
1: Oh yeah, so I got into HR way back uh, in as my first job outside of college. And the thing is that I didn't really want to do HR. I wanted to be a flight attendant and go explore the world. But 9-11 happened a few months uh, before I graduated. And I found myself, yeah, I found myself unable to do what I wanted to do. So I moved to Miami beach. I'm 21 years old and I'm like, well, maybe hotels will be the next best thing. So I walked up and down Collins Avenue in a suit in the middle of summer, dying with heat stroke. (laughs) And I just begged for jobs at hotels. And I got hired at uh, the front desk of a hotel in South Beach. And after a few months, they tapped me to start working on training stuff. And that's how I got into HR. I never wanted it. I always felt like HR people were stiffs and like that was just not the path. (laughs) I didn't even want to wake up to be at work at eight o'clock in the morning. Um, but I said, yes. And Chris, the reason I said yes to it was because I didn't feel my self-esteem was so low mm-hmm. that when someone approached me and offered me a promotion, I had to say yes, because I just needed to latch on to that validation. And I followed that validation trail for 16 years uh-huh. until I found myself backed into a corner that I couldn't get out of. I wasn't qualified to do anything but HR and I never liked it.
0: And you bring up a very valid point that I think is a lot of reasons why people sort of stay in something that they're not digging. And it's because A, somebody saw something in them that maybe they didn't see themselves and B, Well, I don't know how to do anything else so I may as well just keep doing this and and screw you know what my passion area is um but let me ask you this why did you not leave earlier when you could have gone back to be a flight attendant and I mean I I reckon you still could if you wanted to but but why why did you not go back to pursue that again
1: well because as I got promotions and raises and let me tell you something I busted my tail for uh for more validation and more recognition Uh I ended up getting promoted like seven times in ten oh years. Oh my
0: god! Wow. I know,
1: and then all of a sudden you, you're you're attached to this income, and you know that if you switch industries, uh, you're just going to take a massive drop. Yeah. And so every time I wanted to leave, I was scared that I would face these financial consequences. And I built this cage for myself that didn't really exist. It was just in my imagination, but it was real because I said it was real.
0: Yeah. You had the golden handcuffs and you were like, okay, yeah. well, I'm clearly not going anywhere. Um, yeah. yeah. I think I think that does make it so hard for people to, to leave jobs that they're frustrated in because, because they don't feel like they can do anything else. Um, yes. but nonetheless, you're here now and you're not doing that job anymore. So at what point did, um, the heavens open and you say, mm-hmm. I'm flying away right now, just like Nicole yes. Kidman and Moulin Rouge.
1: That's right. So <laughs> first, exactly that's a bad example. Like she like died. If you, if, you know what, if this podcast had video, you would see my long flowing curls and I'd be just like Nicole Kidman. There you go. Yes. But, uh <laughs> I <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, let me just say though that I am not an HR basher. like HR is a great job. it oh, yeah. is uh, it was uh, it's just a beautiful way to build a career. It just wasn't right for me. Mm-hmm. It didn't feed my soul right. And uh, so what happened was, I found myself desperately clawing at all of these different, avenues, something to give me some relief from this kind of soul sucking job that didn't feel right for me. And I, every time I would think about going down one of these ridiculous things, I almost became a Naval officer. Okay. And like, holy
0: crap. Wow. (laughs)
1: Yes. Because like, I was like, well, there's my way out. They'll pay for my education. They'll pay to retrain me. I'll have a management job, you know, like, like this is, this was, extent i got to of desperately trying to find a way out
0: get out and
1: i was doing some personal work with some mentors some coaches uh some therapists and i had this kind of experience where in one week four people asked me about the joy and happiness in my life for four unrelated reasons wow Every time someone asked me that question, I had to answer that I didn't have a lot of joy or happiness in my life. Oh, man. Yes. And to have
0: to say that out loud must have been like soul crushing.
1: It was shocking, though. It was shocking because it jarred me out of this autopilot that I was in. And when you have to say four times in a row, my life doesn't feel joyful and happy. Mm It really gave me that um, shot in the arm to go yeah. look deeper, and so what I did was I said, well, "What, what does feel good?" And I made this list, and the list was things like playing tennis, playing with puppies, oh. speaking, speaking, right, exactly. Speaking on a stage makes me feel great, uh, you know. Movies, and I've just made this really long list of things that feel good, and I tried to find. Uh, almost like a Venn diagram center of these Mm -hmm. things. And what I realized is that public speaking and coaching is what would feel good if I could do it every day. Yeah. Like, okay, well, let's reverse engineer a plan. Okay. And I I began with the end in mind, like Stephen Covey says, and I just uh, developed a plan. I gave 90 days notice. I cashed out all my 401ks and I was like, I'm just going to do this. I jumped out of the job. I went to training for uh, coaching and I started my practice and it, it has not been a smooth road. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I certainly don't make enough money to be solvent even a year and a half later, but I feel free and I feel,
0: yeah,
1: I feel like I nourish myself.
0: I love, I love the notion of, um, l- not jumping into a gig because of the money and that you're doing something that feeds your soul and that makes you feel like you're contributing to the world, etc. And, and it's just making me think of all the times I thought, cause I, I, how many, I did nine, I I've worked at nine different colleges in seven States over the, the 25 years that I've been in mm-hmm. higher education, but some of them were jobs that I know in my gut, I took because the salary sounded nice or they had a title that was impressive to me. And I right. wound up not staying in those jobs because like you said, they, they did not give me the joy that I was seeking in a position. And then when I got the gig that I'm in now, um, I've been here almost eight years. So that for me is the validation, like I'm finally doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And it it all comes together and it clicks. So let's, let's talk a little bit about the fear factor. Um, When you were like, you were getting ready to give your notice and, and you had told yourself, like, I'm definitely do that, doing this. Did your colleagues give you a hard time? Did your family give you a hard time? Like, I'm sure people were jumping in and saying, oh, Johnny, are you sure you want to do this? And,
1: well, and you Chris, had
0: to come up with some kind of response to let people know that you weren't insane, right?
1: That's what I expected to happen. <laughs> I girded my loins, right? for these (laughs) Arguments for these, like, I just knew like my family, everybody was going to go crazy. I'm not in a partnership or a marriage or anything. So I didn't have to deal with that, but, um, I just expected everyone to freak out and be like, Oh, he's going through a midlife crisis. And what are we going to do? We have to save him. He's going to ruin his life. And, uh, what do you, what do you mean? You can't cash out your 401k. That's what I expected. Mm -hmm. And nobody, nobody that not even my mother
0: oh my gosh wow
1: no you know what i i realized that people believed enough in my judgment that even if they couldn't understand my rationale they the only response i ever got was wow well it sounds like you've really thought this out
0: i love that that's amazing you got not one piece of resistance at all so Mm, that tells me that everybody around you figured like okay i'm johnny's pretty miserable so like let's support him in this and yeah that's really that's really fantastic
1: but that doesn't mean it wasn't terrifying and chris absolutely like like the idea of the money um like i i was ready to get down to zero dollars Like that was something I accepted before I started. And, uh, but the thing was that I knew that even if I got down to zero dollars, I wasn't going to end up on the streets. Mm -hmm. Like I knew, I know, because like, I try to live intentionally. I try to like feel my intuition, what feels right to do in this moment. And if I had to go work at Starbucks or if I had to go, you know, work at Barnes and Noble to, to to, to supplement my income. Like when the moment gets there, I'll know what to do. And it's not a life sentence. It doesn't mean I'm going to be making lattes for the rest of my life. It means it's okay to do this for nine months or a year and a half while I continue to build a foundation. And once I accepted that I was able to process the fear as it arose, as it continues to arise, because I did point where I got to $0 and it's like in that moment what feels the most loving thing for me to do right now so that I can be true to what my mission is and also take care of myself in the more practical way and I, i'm telling you each minute i know what to do if i just get quiet and feel for that guidance
0: that's so amazing because like you truly know yourself in that sense and and you know what you need to do to put things into play. And you're not, you're not telling yourself how many, I, I don't want to phrase this. I know people that will say like, well, I, you know, I'd rather live on welfare than go do retail, or I'd rather go back to my corporate job than work at Starbucks, that kind of stuff. It, it, when people say that it, it's telling me like, well, then you didn't really want to do this new thing yeah. in the first place. Um, and, and you didn't believe in, it and it wasn't It wasn't feeding your soul, wasn't feeding your purpose. And your work is clearly doing that because you haven't felt that, you haven't felt that pull like, oh, well, this isn't working. So I guess I'll just go back to HR or this isn't working. So I guess I'll just go work at Starbucks for a while. You're, you're doing what dozens and dozens and hundreds of people want to do, but just don't feel strong enough or prepared enough to do it.
1: Yeah, it, it, I got to tell you, it doesn't. It doesn't seem reasonable to do what I'm doing. Yeah. It seems so dramatic. Um, because Chris, to be honest, and and, you know, for those of your listeners who are like on the cusp of wanting to start a side hustle and like to take that leap, um, you know, it it only feels dramatic because we believe it's dramatic. Mm -hmm. The fact is. Could I go back and get an HR job if I found myself back into a corner? Yes, I could. I have the same qualifications. I could yeah. go do that. But you know, it would feed my soul more to make a fourth of that money and create lattes for people and smile at them in the morning. Uh-huh. That would feel at least good to me um, rather than doing the administrative work that I'm capable of doing, but that I just don't enjoy. And so it's about really not second guessing my intuition because it's easy to say, yeah, but I could work one fourth of the hours by doing this right, and uh, make so much more money or whatever. Yeah. But like, it's not time worth living. Like I don't like it. I don't like it. And I don't need to do things. I don't like anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You know,
0: you hear all the stories of, from the the Gallup studies and stuff like that. Oh yeah. 81% of Americans uh, in the, in their, in the workforce are not engaged in their work. And, and to me, that's so incredibly depressing and, and sad because why are all these adults doing work that is not serving them along the way? I mean, those jobs could be filled by people that want to do the work. Yes. So yeah. all the more reason why we should pursue the things that we want to be doing. Cause when we want to do it, we're, we're better at it. Right. It, yes. Hopefully how it's all, how it would all pan out. If people would just pursue the work that they really, they really want to.
1: That's something that I tell my clients like all the time, right? So I'm a coach and sometimes I coach people on spiritual growth. Sometimes I coach people on career uh, pivots because, you know, with my HR background and recruiting background and all yeah, of that, yeah. like, you know, I, I speak that language, but like when I, when, when people come to me and they say, I just don't, I, my life feels so lukewarm. I'm like, I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. And the fact is, You don't have to live a life that feels lukewarm. Mm -hmm. There is a path for you to earn a living that feels amazing. Mm -hmm. It's if you're ready to deal with the consequences of doing that, because there might be financial consequences. There Mm. might be status-based consequences. And it's like, how much of your inner joy Are you willing to barter for the finances and the status? And now, my family—if I had three kids and this and that—I might not be able to make that leap today. I might owe my family a certain amount of security and stability today. But I can put a plan on paper for five years, Mm -hmm. and I can start—you know, like I did—working, beginning with the with the end in mind, reverse engineering this plan. And, you know, I'm telling you, three years is a fair amount of time for your family to adjust.
0: Sure. Yeah. You
1: know, it's possible to, it's possible to, to build a career that you love if you're willing to quiet the fear, doubt, scarcity, and anxiety.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. So, okay. Let's talk about the refract. I'm sorry. Let's talk about refractive podcasts. So, um, what, What types of, actually, let me, let me back up. How would you describe the niche for your coaching business?
1: Yeah. So for my coaching, I, I, I have the most fun when I work with clients who are feeling like they're on the cusp of like being called to something more. And okay. sometimes that's a spirituality thing. Like they just feel like they're ready to like, they, they, their life is meant for something bigger and they don't know what it means. And maybe they're disillusioned with religion or whatnot, but they just, they, they, they're they hungry for some sort of spark inside. Yeah, um, And I also love helping people put together the puzzle for themselves of how to get into a career that feels like soul fire, you that's know, awesome. Um, yeah.
0: that's awesome. That's where we share the same brain. Cause that's sort of what I was doing bef- before this podcast came around. Um, and you know, the time management stuff all, uh, related, but I, I do, I, I think I knew that it was I knew that I was in the right place for my date, my name, my current day job when I hit the two and a half year mark and I wasn't itching to go anywhere. And then it solidified, like on the fourth year and second day, because that officially beat all of my previous <laughs> records. And I was like, okay, well then McPeak, you're doing this right. And, um, and yeah, you don't need to go anywhere else and this is all good and well and fine. Yes. Um, so yeah, you definitely, you know, that it, You know that in your gut, in your heart, in your brain, you know it in all of the places that you're supposed to know it like when it when it feels right and it's good if there's a person like you on this planet that helps people just sort of get that little nudge like, well, I think I want to do this, but I'm kind of afraid and then you give them 20 reasons why they're going to be amazing at it and then they're like, okay, Mm. I'm sold. So here I go, Mm. which uh, I think is fantastic.
1: Thank you. Yeah.
0: So let's talk about refractive podcast. Um, what, uh, how does your content come out of that? Is it uh, interview based? Do you do teaching? Like, what do you, what kinds of stuff are you cranking out over there?
1: Yeah. So I have, I have solo episodes and I have guest episodes and uh, the solo episodes really do a deeper dive into things that have been impactful for my personal journey. Um, and again, just like with my coaching practice, the, these topics usually pull from either career growth or personal and spiritual growth. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of taking a look at attachment, taking a look at acceptance, um, intuitive living and so a lot of the topics really kind of focus on that. but then I also take a look at uh, people who are living authentically. And okay. so uh, when I have people in my network who are on that path or when I when I meet people just through, uh, through this crazy life, who I find are inspiring, I bring them onto the show so that they can explain how they found the courage and the authenticity to really step into that, into that bright, shining light.
0: I love that. So if you, who, well, okay, uh, who's been your, who's been your favorite guest to have on your show?
1: Yeah. So my favorite guest, um, uh, we just did a show called Redefining Grief. Okay. And uh, there's this uh, there's this lady that I met 20 years ago. Oh, uh, we worked wow. together. We weren't uh, we weren't close. We were just coworkers. Um, and in the past year, she and I have come back into each other's circle. And I watched her go through her mother's death. Okay, ah. it happened in maybe like a uh, July or August yeah. of last year, and I was amazed at how her grieving came from a place of serenity, acceptance, um, even joy and gratitude. And these are concepts that I've always, like I I aspire to that. If I lose a loved one, I want to be able to Uh be grateful for the time together and, and be peaceful about the whole thing. Um, but we know that that's not the most common and typical reaction Right. to watch her. She spoke with her mother on the phone every day for the last 20 years without missing a without missing a day, even when they were oh sick gosh. and her mother died unexpectedly. Wow. So it's not like it was a painful cancer where death was a blessing. It was it was really like the most shocking kind of passing. Wow. And it was dealt with grace and, and gratitude. And I was blown away. And so that was a powerful, powerful episode because it is not disrespectful to our loved ones to to meet their death with peace and gratitude and joy. Mm -hmm. Like, even though, I don't know, I feel like society says we have to spiral into grief in order to have loved someone enough, but is that really true or is that mythology?
0: That's so true. Well, I mean, what you're saying is true. I get it. Um, I'm thinking just of this past year and uh, all of the, the COVID deaths and and stuff Mm -hmm. like that, that again, you know, I, I was hearing people from high school that I hadn't talked to in forever and suddenly they're posting on Facebook that their parent passed away from COVID or, or things like that. And, And those types of things make you think because it's, it's different, then if you are expecting a loved one to pass because they've been dealing with cancer or, or something like that. And the difference between kind of being on that journey with someone who's in their, in their last days, if you will, or, you know, the person that dies really suddenly and, and you Mm -hmm. have no warning, no preparation for grief. And it's just um, it's so interesting, the way people choose to process that because I do, I think it is, it is a choice. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I agree. And Chris, you know, like when we look at, when we look at at least our culture, I can't talk for other parts of the world, but when we look at our culture, we say, um, you know, uh, for people who are, you know, Christians, thy will be done. We say, you know, we uh, accept the pain. Like these are, these are ideas that we agree, uh, unless it's too much, then no, it's got to be my way. And if it's my way, I can't handle it and so i think it's just incredibly empowering to be able to say no 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 when i said thy will be done i meant it right you know or when i say i step into the flow of the universe without trying to control it i meant it you know wow like it's just it's just uh man it's it's just amazing
0: that is oh and when someone finally figures that out and you're there to help guide them through it. That's, it's yeah. so validating. And it, it just yeah. is another like thing that goes, okay, yeah, I'm totally doing what I'm supposed to be doing because yeah. look at the cool thing that person just did. <laughs> and right. that, uh, that makes us feel amazing. Um, Who would be your dream guest? If you could pull anybody out of the universe oh. and, and pull them on your show?
1: Oh, 100% Byron Katie. Um, Byron Katie. Oh uh,
0: yeah. I do know who that is. Her? Yeah. Um, Jen Sincero, quoted her in one of, in one of her books. And I, I have one of her books in my audible wish list. I just never, she never grab
1: amazing. it. So I've been on a rather intense spiritual journey for the last two years or so. Um, and she is my favorite of all of, of the spiritual re- uh, writers that I've, 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 I've looked at and, you know, what she preaches, uh, her message is about loving what is, and, uh-huh. um, that we only suffer, right? While pain is, is mandatory, suffering is optional. And we only suffer when we argue with what is. Like, she shouldn't Ooh. have died. Uh-huh. We shouldn't be at war with this country. We shouldn't, uh, we shouldn't have uh, to deal with COVID. And what she says is, well, those are lovely opinions, but they're they're myths. Because mm-hmm. what you're saying is, XYZ is happening, but you'd be happy if it weren't happening, Mm -hmm. which is, um, that's, that's false. You're arguing with reality. And when you argue with reality, not only does it hurt, but you lose 100% of the time. And so by finding a way to love what is happening, even when it's horrifying, even when it's terrible, you gain this freedom. So I would love to have her on my show because she has taught me so much Aww. and she's influenced how I live my day-to-day life.
0: That's beautiful. Yeah. All right. Well, fingers crossed that you find a yes. way. To get Come, her on, on Come on, Byron
1: Katie. Come, Come on, Byron Katie. I'm on the
0: show, show. <laughs> <laughs> because she listens to the Godside Hustle show. I,
1: I know she, she does.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. If, if you could. Go back in time and, and start all over again. How would you do anything differently than the way you did it? Or would you have continued this journey to have this experience?
1: Well, here's what I'll say. Number one, I think my journey was perfect. It was perfect. Um, I also would not have picked my journey out of a catalog if I could. So (laughs) I believe there are other perfect journeys that I could have had as well. Um, so I I don't know. I mean, I'll tell you that if knowing what I know now, I don't think I would have gone into HR. Um, but I'm also so grateful that I went into HR. You know, I just look at, there's just so many important things that happened because of the path I took that I just can't not. I can't not love it. It's Mm -hmm. even if, even if I think there might've been a more joyful option.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. So where can everybody find you if they want to listen to your show, if they want to be coached by you, et cetera.
1: Yeah. So you can find me, go to refractivecoaching.com, refractivecoaching.com. That's where you'll find all my social media. If you want to take a look there, I only, only post uplifting, um, powerful stuff on any social media. So it's only going to make your feed uh, a little more uplifting. Um, And if you want to email me, you can find me at Johnny, J-O-H-N-N-Y at refractivecoaching.com. And Refractive Podcast is on any platform that you look for. Just uh, search Refractive Podcast and you'll find it there.
0: Magnificence. So we have been talking to my new friend, Johnny Gidry of a Refractive Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chris McPeak, and the Godside Hustle Show is out of
1: here. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. We have to keep that in. Hey, you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Got Side Hustle Show. Make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss another episode. And if you want some bonus points, I'd love for you to leave a rating and review, or even better, share the show with a friend. Original music for the Got Side Hustle Show is composed and performed by Chris Corral. And I'd love to see you join me over at the Got Side Hustle community on Facebook. It's a free group and we kick around all kinds of things relating to our day jobs and our side hustles. Go to gotsidehustlecommunity.com and connect with us there today.